at that party I was at, there had been a girl there pouring me drinks and just more and more and more saying, come on, you're not drinking enough. And it was her. <laughs> and so she, so when it all goes back to it, it was her who caused this uh, spiral of events. And looking back, it's just one of those jokes, you know, that God will write into your story because your story is part of God's story. Jordan Peterson has called for a need to rediscover the spirit of the father. Many have been inspired to embark on their own hero's journey to set their life in order. But how do we balance order and chaos to live a life of meaning? What does it actually mean to be surrendered to God? And how do we root ourselves to stable ground as we witness the re-enchantment of reality? At Manifesto, we're engaged on a mission to rediscover and understand manhood. And from this foundation to create a dynamic and thriving community. My name's Paul. Welcome to Manifesto. Traden, good to see you again. Good to see you. Yeah, so we just had our first conversation a couple of weeks ago, uh, which we titled Life in Transition from Zizek to Orthodoxy, uh, where you detailed about how you really through just some thinking kind of had this realization like, wow, I really need to change the foundational uh, approach of my life. And that's sent you off on an, on an interesting journey, one which I'm also on as well. Um, and and it did really, really well on our YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of people have been listening to it. It's got uh, many more views, lots of likes, also but lots more dislikes, actually, <laughs> than what I've, what I've done otherwise, I guess. Um, we have some CZIC fans out there who didn't appreciate that he wasn't the, the highest of the high of knowledge uh, for, for you um, or something like that. But but I thought we, we'd do a follow-up conversation and dive a little bit more into some of the things that we opened up there and, and understand a little bit more how it is that this is impacting your life, how you're dealing with some of the challenges and uh, whatever it is that's coming up as well and get to know you a little bit more because I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation as well. Um, and I think for me, the starting point has been, so I'm also part of something called the St. Paisios Brotherhood, which is uh, an organization over in the United States, uh, but they have members from all across the world. But it's just, it's just for Orthodox men. And, and it seems like there's this massive influx of young men, especially coming into the Orthodox faith at the moment. Uh, do you have an idea why that is? Do you have any thoughts or, or reflections on, on what, what it is that's causing that? Um, I would guess that it is a desire for some sort of tradition, for some sort of an, an order, and something that is, it, it, it feels separate and sacred um, in comparison to the world today and our secular culture where there is no more sacred anymore. I mean, uh, you can... You can find anything you want online. Nothing is rare. Nothing is inaccessible. Um, increasingly, um, there, there's far fewer taboos, um, or maybe they're shifting. The taboos are shifting, but stuff that we used to, stuff that we used to say, um, or or that would be basically limited to the intimate, most intimate parts of your life, whatever, whether that be sexual or whatever else, these are all in the open now. But the reality is that this sort of liberation, quote unquote, that modern culture, secular culture, um, not only allows, but it um, 
it, it, it uh, forces it on people. It's like an imperative to to enjoy, to be free. It glorifies, it, right? Encourages. Glorifies. glorifies. Yes, it encourages. And but that doesn't. I think many young men are finding out that this doesn't create um, any lasting sense of meaning. Um, you find meaning in order, in structure, in wor working towards something that feels eternal. Um, and I think that's what you find in the Orthodox Church in particular. I, I know that every other Christian um, denomination, so Catholic and Protestant, in Canada at least, they all lost um, members in the last decade. The only denomination to gain uh, members in Canada uh, was the Orthodox Church. And I think it's because um, the Orthodox Church is pretty, generally speaking, pretty uncompromisingly um, faithful to the tradition in a way that uh, it's in a way that the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church often isn't. So I think that I think that thing with orthodoxy for young men is it provides a sense of uh, tradition of order. And I think most, perhaps most importantly, is this idea of the sacred, of something eternal, of something beyond yourself to live for, beyond your base pleasures and desires, something, um, something eternal. So, yeah. Yeah, I really like the way you kind of brought those two seemingly opposite things together, actually. Uh, I was just talking yesterday to two Orthodox priests uh, who spoke about, with regard to prayer, about how it has this ordering function of kind of arranging the world in a way that brings uh you know things just kind of snap into place and mm -hmm. it does that at some way by revealing the unknowableness of reality and 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 the mystery of it and the, the wonder of it as well this attitude of, of wonder um and where the scientific worldview that has become the default mainstream culture approach to you know life it's just like you know like what are the facts <laughs> it's like yeah and, and, and the, this approach that just breaks down as you kind of look closer and closer at the facts they have this tendency to just disintegrate as well right so so yeah i mean as you say there's a lot of men who are who are who are doing this as, and the orthodox church is growing but i know where i live uh there aren't that many orthodox christians mm. around um and i'm guessing the same thing for you as well living up there in canada um so how is that being for you as a as a guy you your family hasn't converted uh with you you I, I i don't know if you have any close friends with you as well but how has that been being in a very secular culture and stepping into uh, uh an ancient worldview and faith system that you're now participating in um well it's been it's been interesting for sure um i think one good thing is that my parish is overwhelmingly converts um, and there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people near my age who are also interested in what I'm interested in theology, uh, philosophy, and just like, uh, you know, so, so, so I think I, I joined a good parish in that, in that respect. Um, I, I really, um, I wasn't baptized until I was already basically graduated from high school. There was a few months left and I was, I wasn't even going to school. I was doing everything online. So my experience, I, I've had, I haven't had too much experience um, as a Christian who actually engaged in the world. Um, that may be providential in a way because um, 
I don't know how I would have <laughs> um, faced up to the temptations, you know, um, and with COVID. So I, I became a Christian during COVID. So this was, I, there were no, really no parties to go to or anything like that. So, mm -hmm. the, so it was really, um, that was really a time of introspection for me. It was, I was dealing with, um, loneliness, um, uh, and really, um, I was just looking for something more than what I had something, um, something that I could dedicate my life to. And, um, I really had no trouble, um, choosing orthodoxy over, um, other forms of Christianity. Not that, um, not that I don't see there's not that there's no value in other forms of Christianity, but there is something really, um, really specific about orthodoxy, which I mentioned, which is like the tradition and this emphasis on the prayer rule and living the orthodox life. This is something which gave me something to strive towards. It also added some element of struggle to my life. And it almost, that almost adds like a, a feeling of, it almost, it almost makes your life a story, like a narrative in a way where it's like you are climbing these, this ladder of divine ascent, as we call it in the, in the tradition. Um, and, and there is really something concrete and meaningful happening in every single moment of your life. Um, and I've become, I think I've become more able to discern these moments where it's like, um, where you're being, where, where you're being tested or where you're, where you have to make a decision that will define uh, who you are. Uh, at least for the the time being, so um, I've really begun to notice stuff like that, and it's really, um, it's really, how do I say it? My life doesn't feel just basically mundane anymore because now there's always that feeling that there is something bigger that I'm striving towards. Um, but I guess <laughs> to answer your question, yeah, it was it wasn't too hard for me just because I I was basically already isolated from the world because of COVID when I converted, and then now I'm out of high school, so I'm basically just you know on my own doing my own thing now. Yeah, now, there's several things that I thought I could pick up on from what you spoke about. One of the things, the first thing was this idea of evangelization in orthodoxy because. One thing you don't see is Orthodox Christians kind of like going out and standing on street corners just after they're converted and being like, hey, can I tell you what Jesus can do for you or something like that, mm -hmm. right? So we don't have this kind of like aggressive going out there thing. It's it's really seen as, um, as, as, as something yeah far more like a sacred mission given to the few than, than like, oh, every single man has to be out there all the time. And that's something that I think um, I, I, I mean, Orthodox sometimes get criticized for that in, in some way as well. Um, but what I've also seen is I, I grew up in a, in a Christian family. I think this was part of the reason why I left uh, Christianity for most of my old, adult life was because I had this idea that it was my kind of my task and mission to go out there and tell everybody around me almost every single day <laughs> about Jesus Christ, and they need to repent from their sins and da, 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 kind of, you know, John the Baptist kind of role, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think what, what I see now is because that, that's still a part of me now since I came back to Christianity, then it's like, well, I have this beautiful and amazing truth that's changed my life. And so I want to share it with other people. And that's, an, for me, it can be an expression or it feels like an expression of love. But more and more, I'm realizing, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not very good at having that conversation. And I don't understand the depths of complexity of, you know, where people are at 
And so what I think people need in their lives is often very far away from what they actually need. And, and normally what I'm doing is I'm just projecting all of my confusion and issues and whatever it is. And there's plenty of people out there who don't call themselves Christians, but are probably much better people than I am as well. So there's kind of like an arrogance of, of me coming there and telling them like, oh, this is how you should be living your life. And you need to do exactly like me when actually I'm still busy tidying up my own stuff as well. And so I really like this quote from St. Seraphim Masarov, who says, uh, find inner peace and a thousand around about you will be saved. So that, 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 that the approach is really to, to start with yourself and, and to find repentance and, and healing. Uh, and, and then as you become the light, then, then that naturally attracts other people as well. So, so yeah, I don't know. Have you started, have, have you, do you have people, I mean, your family, uh, have they started noticing anything in you or do, have, do they think like, what is this crazy new idea that Traden's up to? Uh, what, what's, what's, what's been the way it's, how's it been received by the people closest to you so far, Traden? Well, uh, my family is, they're, they're, they're fine with, with me being Orthodox. They, they really don't have a problem with it. Um, yeah. and they, my, they, my, do they have any Christian background as well? You grew up without any I, yeah i grew i grew up secular basically um my dad was raised catholic but i i think the, his whole side of the family is just basically no longer catholic it just sort of faded away um and yeah so like it, there's really not um much um there's there's really no uh very little christian background in my family so my conversion especially how sudden it was um may have seen i think it was a little um not concerning but um there was like i i i do think my parents were sort of worried about um uh, about whether because because at, at the time i was out of school i wasn't really seeing anyone it was just me and my online friends and then suddenly i want to start going to church so there was that element where it's like why actually do you want, are you actually serious about this? Is this actually, are, are you doing this for the right reasons? Um, and I think in looking back, um, I don't think, I, I don't think I never went to church just because um, I wanted a community or something that that's been something that came with it. Um, I'm actually pretty, um, uh, <laughs> I'm actually pretty bad at speaking to people or meeting new people and stuff. So that wasn't really something I was uh, all that excited about but mm -hmm. i have a great community at my my parish um and yeah it's, so my family my family has basically taken it as well as i could um ask them to they they haven't been um they were and they they came for my baptism so um and my my immediate family came my my aunt came my grandma came wow. and my grandma um my, <laughs> my grandma likes to listen to me talk about christianity because i will just rant on and on like sort of and today and and she grew up christian and she certainly believes she, she's certainly not an atheist um she uh she talks about god and she'll talk about angels too mm -hmm. so she believes in heaven so um i, I think she's the type of person to not necessarily think to too deeply about like she will believe in god and yet um not require some sort of 
uh, system to fit that belief within. But for me, I couldn't just believe in God. For me, it was either I'm accepting this whole system of atheism, naturalism, or I'm going full Christianity. And that's, uh, thank God what I, what I did. Um, and, but, but, uh, yeah, but with her, she's very open to talk about Christianity. And, um, I sent her something, I sent her something about, um, a Chinese prophecy, uh, dated to the year of Jesus's crucifixion. And she was, uh, and, and it talks about how the sins of the whole world have been put on one man. This is what a Chinese wise man said. Um, and I posted on Twitter actually, and, and <laughs> I got a lot of retweets for that and there, everyone was trying to fact check it, but no one could actually really, no, no one could explain why it was false so um so she was pretty mind blown about that um but yeah so my family's taking it well my family is not necessarily that interested in christianity but for me um i i wouldn't try to push it on them because i just don't think that would work as you say like i think actually what what seraph what saint seraphim says um one translation is find inner peace another one is acquire the spirit and you will convert thousands around you. And I think that's important because it's, if you think you are going out converting people, that is pure pride because you do not convert to anyone. That's something that I think Protestants do understand where they talk about how it's the spirit who converts people. It, yeah. it is the spirit who converts people. And um, just because God wants everyone to come to him it doesn't necessarily mean the spirit is actively working in everyone's heart at every single moment of their lives um, so that they're able to actually believe in god um i think if you actually look in your into your own life and just um, read conversion stories and stuff it seems like there are certain moments in people's lives when the spirit is truly working in them in a specific way pressing the question and then they can choose right right or wrong um th this is something c.s lewis talks about i believe um so so like yeah it's i think what's important is that you acquire the spirit yeah. you you become a vessel for god's grace mm -hmm. and that will outflow towards others and then it's through that in that way opportunities will arise to quote unquote evangelize um but but yeah you have to let that come naturally i think yeah i think i think it's through your life producing the fruits of the spirit that people notice, right? And so it's really through your your actions. Uh, and I think I think you know all Christians kind of get this as well. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's not through the strength of your arguments or the brilliance of your you know kind of deductive logic or something like that 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 someone's going to be convinced. I don't believe that that's going to be pretty much all the stories you hear of people being converted is through through just a personal meeting with another person who, who at a deep level, you know, is, is able to meet them and understand them and, and to help them to understand their own lives in, in some ways as well. And I, one of the thing, one of the other things that you mentioned in the beginning that I, I thought I'd come back to as well is, is, you know, you mentioned that during COVID you were battling a bit with loneliness. And, and so one of the common objectives I hear from kind of atheist types and certainly one that I had myself was this perception that oh, Christianity it's for weak people who need some kind of false certainty and able to be able to get by in the world or something like that uh, and and so so they kind of grab onto something mm -hmm. which is unbelievable uh, but they they just 
force themselves to believe it in order because because they're so weak they wouldn't actually be able to um, stand firm in their own life uh, without it or something like that. And I really get it why people have that perception because at the end of the day, I, there's so many stories for myself included where I needed to get to a pretty low place in my life and for things to be really falling apart to be able to come to recognize the situation that I was in and my dependency on God. And, mm. and I, I, again, this is something I don't, I don't think can be convinced, but I, I think one of the things that, that can help, you know, to, 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 for people to understand this is just how, you know, human beings are inherently, you know, not just very weak, but we're, we're on a one-way direction to our physical bodies dying. Like, the, you know, we, we, we have the ability to create the illusion of strength for some time, but I'm now hitting, I'm 41 years old and I was just out playing badminton for the first time in like two years yesterday. And oh my word, my body just can't do what it used to be able to do. It's, it's amazing how, how it struggles and how it's like developing, you know, it's like things are just slowly breaking down in the, this physical plan. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and so it's like when, when you start, and, and how, you know, especially all through my teens and through my twenties and up into my thirties, I kind of lived as if I was immortal. You know, I, I really, that was my, most of my decision-making, I, I, there was no awareness of, or, you know, expression of awareness of death that I, of my own mortality in the way that I was living my life. I was living as if I had all the time in the world just to continue having fun and doing whatever I felt like for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so it was really with this realization that like, no, this is coming to an end. And, and so, and I am coming to an end. And so what am I going to, is there anything that I can lean on out there? And, and so then I got really serious about that search. It's like, is there something that's greater than me that I can trust, that I can put my faith in? And, and when I started looking, then it became so incredibly clear, oh, it's been there all the time, <laughs> you know, just yeah. like the fish in water saying like, well, what the hell's water? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it's been there the whole time. I just hadn't been looking for it. I'd, I'd been so focused on, on me and my own stuff uh, and whatever it is. Right. So, yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's definitely something about this, how God will work through your suffering. And when you, when you get, when you feel like you're immortal, when you feel like nothing can touch you, how God will um, take everything from, not everything, but I mean, sometimes it's everything, but take, take what something away from you um, in order for you to see your, um, your dependency on him. Because I mean, just recently, like with, with my YouTube channel, for example, um, I, I went through a little, a period where I guess um, the algorithm was particularly favorable to me. So every, <laughs> every smiling on you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And every, every single video um, uh, I would like every single, I, I'd look and there'd be like in an hour, 500 views. I'm like, wow. And it keeps going. And then uh, some videos got 5,000 views. And then I'm, I'm, and then every 20 minutes I'm going on my phone, checking the views and stuff. Yeah. And, and then just, um for about two months it's been like not ba basically um very very few videos have gotten uh really caught into the algorithm mm -hmm. and that was disappointing at first obviously but um now though um i'm not obsessively looking at my phone i'm not um i'm not 
thinking I'm some sort of uh, emperor with my 3,000 subscriber YouTube channel because that's truly that feeling that I got. Um, and um, I, I'm not going to act like um, uh, I truly feel as if it's a good thing that this happened uh, because in all honesty, I would prefer to keep getting views, but I, at the same time, I can look back and say, oh, okay, this was, I see what the point of this was. Um, I do believe that God works and everything happens for a reason. And from what I can tell, the reason for this is to sort of humble me and to, um, for me to realize that my highest good isn't YouTube. Because when I was checking my um, phone every 20 minutes to see the views, I can I can tell you that I was doing that more than I was praying. So what was my highest good in that situation? Um, so yeah, there's like that's why the Bible, like the Psalms, for example, there's so many Psalms about um, like Jesus on the cross quote when he says, "Why, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me?" That's a quote from the psalmist. So there is um, there is room for despair and suffering and even a sort of um, questioning of God. There 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 is. Um, a way to do this, which is not sinful in any way. Like the, the psalmists, they weren't being sinful when they were expressing their feeling of despair. This is this is part of what it means to be a Christian. That's why it's there in in the holy books. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah I, re I really love it that you kind of have that awareness that like, okay, I'm checking my YouTube statistics every 20 minutes. I'm certainly not praying every 20 minutes. And, and, and I think a lot of people say, well, that's, of course you're not praying. Like, that's crazy. Like if you pray once a day, that's great. Right. But it, you know, there is this Bible verse that says pray unceasingly. Mm -hmm. And and we have this whole long, you know, 2000 year long tradition of people that have been taking this, not just very, very seriously, but actually making it like the central focus of their entire life to be in a constant state of prayer. And, and, and so it's like, it's a, it's a highly challenging uh, discipline that we've engaged in <laughs> and these observances are something that you know you can work on to start to master um, and we have real masters to look up to as well but it's it's and, and it's very inspiring and then you can you can and you can get a taste of it you know in the very short term as well so like you know mm -hmm. it's not like the the winds come straight away but actually I'd say, you know, the very first time, my first prayer rule, it was a little double A4 page, you know, both sides of an A4 page. And I, I, mm -hmm. I did that morning, mornings, most days, evenings, some days, uh, uh, when I, when I started off, um, just something that someone had sent me as a PDF file, I printed it out and then I, I started doing it. And I, the impact of doing that prayer rule was very apparent very quickly. And it didn't feel, it felt scary in many ways. It was like, well, what the hell is this doing to me? Can I trust this? Right. Cause I don't mm -hmm. know what this whole, what this thing is and, and who is it? And is it really what they say it is and stuff like that. Right. So, but, but I could just feel the, the draw that was coming through it as well, that I was kind of being drawn in um, to something. So, so yeah, um, maybe it'd be good to hear a little bit more about how, how is, how is, how is this yeah just any reflections on on the prayer rule and and engaging in that um in your life how, how's that going um i mean it, it's going it's going fine it was better um two weeks ago but um yeah one thing one thing I've, I've, I've already said this before but i think i'm becoming better at discerning when stuff is when i'm making the wrong decision when i'm slipping up so um i I had a whole, uh, I had one week um, where I just felt 
like I was flying (laughs) with the Holy Spirit, you know, like I was, I was, um, I felt like I was a holy man, whatever. Um, So it was a good week. And then there was just little things I was doing that, um, like with my family, not helping out with something. And it it was, for some reason, during that week, it was more, it, it was more in my consciousness, every single time I was being lazy or something like that. And just slowly and slowly, I just became more and more being harder and harder to pray, harder and harder to sit down and read the Bible. Um, and, um, and then it got to a point where I was just struggling to pray. And it's like, I, I, the difference between me a year ago and me now is that I am, I knew this was happening. And in a way that makes you more culpable, you know, it makes you more at fault, right? Because Jesus says, um, um, if you were blind, he told the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would have no sin. Now you say, we we see, so your sin remains. So the way I interpret this is that when you have con- when you have knowledge of good and evil, when you commit that s- sin in, in full knowledge, it's you're more culpable for it. You are putting more of your whole personhood into that sin. You're choosing actively to do wrong. So even when it's relatively minor sins, you know, um, when you have that consciousness of it, when you know you're turning away from God, there are real and true damaging effects to that. Um, but generally speaking, my prayer rule, um, I actually, um, I do the prayer rule of that St. Seraphim of Sarav, um, uh, he recommended people do. Um, and he said, if you do this rule, uh, Every day, once in the morning, once in the evening, the grace of the God, the grace of God will not depart from you. Uh, three our fathers, three Hail Marys. That's it. Um, and then I do additional stuff on top of that. So I, I pray for other people, and then I'll I'll do um, every now and then I'll do an an, an akathist. Um, I have additional prayers that I read. I do. I actually every evening I um, I have a, a Orthodox uh, evening prayer Discord server so five or six of us will get together and do a prayer uh prayer six like 10 15 minutes we're going through the whole uh book of psalms right now so one psalm a night um so that's basically what i do um the the thing i i tried to do the prayer I, and i did for a long time i did the a prayer rule where the actual prayers that i do consistently every night were like 15 20 minutes long and the problem was i was having i was having trouble doing that every night and when i felt like I couldn't sit down and just or just stand and do it for 15 minutes, I would just not do it at all. But with this evening prayer of St. Seraphim, I can do it every single evening. And there's a sort of routine and a sort of consistency to it, where it's like, even if I don't feel like praying, I can spend two minutes to do this prayer. And then if I feel like doing more, uh, which occasionally often happens, I'll, I'll do more, right? So um, I think there's something to say about routine and consistency because what god wants well i think uh last thing last thing i'll say on this is when people um are new new converts they will i I experience this i you you will experience um the grace of god in a way you never have before and you will want to pray and you will be good at praying uh, and you'll do it for a long time even Mm -hmm. and then that will slowly fade away Mm -hmm. so the way i've been told that this works is that that is God's grace working through you. But the goal of orthodox, an orthodox spirituality is the synergy of your will and God. It's not supposed to just be God working in you. It's supposed to be you working with God who is working in you. So the reason why routine is important is because you, 
when you pray, even when you don't want to, you are, um, you are submitting your will to God. You are conquering your, your base passions, your desire to be lazy and just watch uh, or play video games instead of do your prayer rule or stay up till 2 a.m. You are conquering those and your will is becoming more and more involved. So I think the goal of a Christian, the Christian life is to um, unite your will with God and to have you be active in this relationship and not just God working in you. Yeah. And especially it's the parts of your will that have actually been formed and and shaped by that which is not God, right? And so when mm-hmm. we've been part- participating in, you know, destructive self-sabotaging behavior and doing all kinds of things that haven't been serving us. So, you know, th- when, you, when you talk about that, I think that synergy image is such a great one because it just shows that, you know, what you are becomes far bigger and more unique when you're actually yes. participating in God. So, you know, I, I, I actually just had a long, some long conversations with a guy who comes from a Hindu tradition. Uh, and, and for him, it's very much kind of like what you are is just this little drop of the ocean. And sometimes the little drops like jump up and think of themselves as separate, but you know, what they actually want to do is just to go back down inside the ocean. And that's not at all the Christian view, uh, mm-hmm. even though we can understand that and it, and it reveals a part of the truth. And there's a beautiful truth in being a part of, you know, this great ocean of being. And, and, and that is one way of looking at things. And the other way of looking at things, you know, there, there's something incredibly, you know, every single individual human being is, yeah. is, is created in the image of God and, and, and is a perfectly unique representation uh, of that in, in their in their own you know way with with all of their own talents and and so what you start seeing as you give up your your own will to God or what 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 seems to be your own will it's actually you see well you've actually been participating in the will of demons and those those demonic influences are just boring silly stupid caricatures of of ignorant wasteful behavior actually and they all go down the exact same path there's like you know a couple of little different boxes that you could go into but they all they're all very very meaningless and very predictable and and when i meet someone who's full of the grace of god then you don't know what that person's going to say next right they can be incredibly unpredictable and very surprising in some ways because there's there's such a there's such a just a a a a unique quality about them uh, in our experience Okay, so one thing, Traden, that I know takes up a lot of space for a lot of guys, uh, and I'm a, I'm a member of the St. Paisios Brotherhood, um, which is a brotherhood of Orthodox men, and they have a Telegram group where there's like almost 300 guys that are discussing all kinds of stuff. And the topic that comes up regularly uh, is, is that um, we have seen a lot of young men coming into Orthodoxy recently, um, and... And in some places, at least in my, in my, here in Denmark, where I'm living, then actually the churches are just packed with young women uh, and not nearly enough young men, but in a lot of churches and a lot of parishes, they've seen there's a lot of young guys. Maybe it's a part of like the whole Jordan Peterson, Jonathan Peugeot phenomenon, mm-hmm. um, and not as many women that have been coming in, coming in there. And I can certainly say when you were talking about, you know, some of the struggles of following a prayer rule, I can say, you know, when I converted, then having at that stage, a girlfriend who also converted at the same time as me. And then at some point marrying her, that gave me a strength and a stability and a firmness and a clarity and just a, a sense of a, a, a place 
of softness where I could regain my myself, my, my soul in some ways uh, with her, knowing that she was with me in that journey. Um, that was incredibly helpful for me. Um, and so I'm just curious, you as a young man, I know you have a, a girlfriend who is currently not converted, but, but is coming in along and attending liturgies with you. What are your thoughts about um, your relationship and how to handle just as a, as a young man with, uh, you know, probably a, a strong libido as, as young men have, uh, and, and you're needing to, to integrate this into a life as an Orthodox Christian? Um, I would say that you need, really, I need, I needed my, I needed her to start coming to liturgy with me and to uh, pray with me. Cause she'll pray with me, even though she's quite open about how at the moment she does not believe in God. And I'm like, that's okay. I mean, just ask. Uh, that's why I, I told her, I just said, say, God, if you exist, reveal yourself to me, say it every day. If you want to say it every few days, but like, um, ask and you, you shall receive. And uh, I think, um, she's very smart and, uh, she is naturally very, um, uh, conservative, uh, just not, it, it's odd because, uh, and, and she, before she met me, she was sort of just involved in our normal culture. So she sort of just went along with the normal views of the day, but it took like, it took me just to say what I believed explicitly where she's like, Oh, okay, this is what I believe too. So I think naturally, um, naturally she's, she has a disposition to where it's not too difficult to, for me to live a pious and um, chaste life with her. Um, and also um, I, she has a disposition to where I don't think it'll be very um, difficult for God to work, work in her. But um, yeah, what I, like what I said, it, it was important for her to start attending liturgy with me and to start praying with me and um, reading scripture with me because um, you, you really can't serve two masters and not that this is you serving another master, but like if your girlfriend is just on a completely different wavelength, she's just doing something completely different. She's not even um, inquiring into the faith. You really maybe need to stop. Saying, I see, but she's not seeing, right? Like yeah, that's what you said right. earlier. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I, I can see better than you can, but actually she can't exactly. see. And that's when you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's 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 just difficult to live that way it's and and yeah it's like yeah with with her i literally um just we just started attending like i we started dating in may we started she started attending liturgy with me like a month and a half ago so she's just starting um um and she's looking in she's um actually reading re, or not reading but watching youtube videos on orthodoxy and christianity because she just didn't know the basics of christianity she didn't understand um she knew jesus was crucified uh i don't even know if she knew we believed he was god so um basically she just needs to get caught up on the facts and also you know just um experiencing god in a way and and there's been moments where she where there's just been interesting coincidences that i've pointed out involving christian stuff where I'm, for example she just started going to school and university and it just turns out that all of her friends have ended up being christian <laughs> and i'm like well that, that's sort of weird because how did that all manage to happen in such a um in a place where this university is not a christian university it just turned out that way um so um 
Yeah. And also, I, I guess one thing with her is uh, I, this actually goes back to what I was saying about when I was um, struggling with loneliness and COVID. I lost a lot of my friends um, at school um, in grade 10, going into grade 11. So this is this is right right in 2020, beginning of 2020, um, end of 2019. And it was mostly because I, <laughs> I was at a party and I was very drunk and made a fool of myself basically. And it, this led to a spiral event events where basically I lost my closest friend. I lost that friend group and stuff. And I, I was thinking back on it and the person who was, and, and basically this all, I needed to be separated from that friend group. These were not good influences on me. Um, and basically it was through that, that I started talking more with my cousin and we both converted to orthodoxy together so it was through that that i found christianity and thinking back i remember that i was at at that party i was at there had been a girl there pouring me drinks and just more and more and more saying come on you're not drinking enough and it was her <laughs> and so she so when it all goes back to it, it was her who let who caused this uh spiral of events um and looking back, it's just one of those um, jokes, you know, that God um, will will um, write into his into your story because your story is part of God's story. Um, and and yeah, so so I do think she is um, uh, the right one, <laughs> and uh, I do um, uh, I think she's been a good influence on me. Um, and I'm hoping you that she's been pouring you drinks since I need to have more. That yes. Yeah. God was using her as a, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, um, but um, before we continue, I don't know if I'll have anything of value to say to, to other men who are struggling to find women because she basically just dropped back into my life. I have no idea how to uh, get women or what to do when you're, um, then there's not enough women at your parish or, or whatever, but, um, but yeah. Well, I think that's a very good start. What you just said actually <laughs> is, is that, you know, if you put finding a woman in the center of your life, then often women are going to mm -hmm. find you needy and unattractive yeah. <laughs> actually as well. So as a man, you need to be, you, I mean, first of all, you know, at the deepest possible sense, if you're seeking God, that means that you are following where life is leading you in the way that can that can lead you to wisdom, insight, direction, purpose, clarity, and if you're doing that, you know, women are naturally going to be attracted to you. Uh, and and so what I really appreciate, and and I'm convinced that that's why this this woman is has just dropped back into your life, as you say, is because she can see a man who's taking his own life seriously. Uh, and and even when you when you're giving you're giving her specific instructions about things to do which she could not possibly know are the right things to do given where she is at the moment. But you have a certainty in knowing that you can, you know, with confidence say to her like, Hey, do this thing, you know, say to God, uh, reveal yourself to me um, and, and keep doing it. Uh, that, that, that takes confidence, you know, it, it, and you're, you're not doing that as a way of trying to manipulate her to get her to join in your belief system so that then you can, you know, ensnare her in your kind of thing. But you're doing it as something that you, you know, okay, well, well, you know, if, if you, if you see something in me, then this is, this is where I have it from. And, and, and I want to share it with you. And if we're going to create a life together, then, then this is going to be the foundation of it. And it's a, and it's a good foundation. It's a tried and tested 
and proven foundation as well that's worked for centuries. And, you know, even scientifically, statistics will show like, you know, Orthodox marriages, they're strong marriages. Mm -hmm. you know, of course, they're not infallible, but but they are strong marriages. And, and so so that's a, a good foundation for a relationship with a woman uh, that, that I, I think is good. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that was very good, good advice, good, a good story for, for people to be inspired by as well. So good. Okay. Trade on the last topic I want to go into before we, we round up, um, is, uh, so I, I, these two Orthodox priests I was talking to yesterday, they said when they were busy studying, they're up in their fifties, uh, sixties, even I think. And when they were studying in seminary, then they said like, you know, if a book came out in English within the world of Orthodoxy, uh, you know, some kind of new translation or new information about orthodoxy. It's like, you know, then they they bought it straight away because mm -hmm. there was just so little. There was almost nothing available. And and today we're in the situation where we're just awash with, uh, you know, certainly new books coming out all the time. But the online world is even more uh, varied. And there's just so much out there about like, okay, how do you get into orthodoxy? Well, you know, do you, you, from Twitter and Instagram channels and YouTube channels and various websites and stuff like that, there's no end to all kinds of things. So what, what's been your experience in navigating the, the orthosphere uh, online? Um, I've, it has been, I would say an overwhelmingly positive experience. Um, but there have been, there are negative, there are downsides to the fact, as you were saying, um, that now basically anything you want, you can find online. Um, you can find obscure texts from the, uh, 1800s Russia, and you can find, um, controversial texts as well. And that's one of the things that are dangerous. And I've caught myself in that too, as a catechumen, um, even now, I mean, uh, there are just controversial issues, which um, 50 years ago, 50 years ago, and all the years before then of church history, no lay person ever even had the ability to argue about this stuff because they didn't even have access to the relevant documents. And now we have lay people, catechumens, et cetera, arguing about matters of ecclesiology, church politics, um, controversial stuff that when it comes to um, uh just the or the way the church works, all this stuff. This is not stuff that we should be concerned with, um, because it's just that is not the um, that is not the hierarchy that Christ Himself set up. The bishops are the head of the, they're in charge of the church. They um, are the successors to the apostles. If you don't like them, you still have to revere. Them. You still have to give them honor um, for their title, and you have to pray for them. And um, Basically, that's all to say that um, there is a danger to the orthosphere uh, because I think it, in many ways there are certain um, groups and certain people that encourage debating, that encourage um, uh, talking about stuff that really you don't have any business to talk about. And I would suggest um, for people as someone who made this mistake and still do sometimes, uh, it's better just to step back read about it if you're interested you can read about it but just hold off on on speaking um on stuff that doesn't really concern you and pray for for other people and pray for yourself um cultivate your spiritual life before you get into this more controversial stuff but um all that said there's so much now um uh, with all of that i think that the um the way in which orthodoxy is so accessible they're overwhelming 
overwhelmingly more positives to it. Mm-hmm. And um, that there's so much you can learn. There's so much um, stuff that uh, previous generations had no access to that you can read. Um, there's so many brilliant people online that you can watch. Um, and really, I would, uh, well, one person I would suggest for people people to watch is Sarah from Hamilton. I met, met, mentioned him in the last um, interview uh, we did. He is, um, in my opinion, the uh, greatest uh, theologian on the internet right now. Uh, I think if he pursues what he, uh, if he pursues theology in the way it seems like he's going to, he will be someone very significant in the history of the church. I truly believe that. Um, but uh, there, there's just so many people you can watch, and you can find your favorite person. And uh, yeah, so I, I would say that um, it is very, very good that um, everything about orthodoxy is accessible now. Um, I think it's, um, there are some negatives to it. There are some downsides, but I think the fact that um, orthodoxy is so special and has an appeal um, to to it, and when you actually learn about it, the, the more you learn about it, the more you realize the richness, the infinite depth it has, um, that I think the fact that there's so much out there to read that is just making it uh, easier for everyone of all walks of life to discover. So I think it's a very good thing. And I mean, I found orthodoxy through the internet. So I I owe people like Jonathan Peugeot, like Jay Dyer, like Seraphim, uh, all these people, they were part of my journey to orthodoxy. And I'm, I'm very grateful for them. And, and, um, uh, and I know you're wanting to talk more about orthodoxy on your channel. I'm wanting to do that as well. Uh, I actually have um, I have two priests at my parish. One is very, very well read on philosophy and theology, and he's helping me out with my scripts and stuff. So um, I'm going to be start, starting to make more theological videos. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to focus on 20th century uh, Orthodox theology because there's very little videos on that. Um, but yeah, there, there's high demand for stuff um, that I think if you feel like you have a calling to it, and you have um, some general guidance and the blessing of your priest, I think you should go for it. Um, as long as you are not neglecting your spiritual life, you aren't causing controversy um, when it's completely unnecessary to. Uh, but yeah. I, I just add to that, get the blessing of your priest as well. Ask him, mm-hmm. ask him for a blessing. Yeah. I've, I, I start, I've started so many new things up in my work life and in my personal life. Uh, without asking for my blessing of my priest and then um actually something happened part of this change was just just about what's it now five months ago four months ago uh is that is that my wife had a conversation with the priest and then we'd been trying for over a year to have a second child uh and and then she almost by coincidence came to realize like oh I haven't asked the blessing of, of, of our priest. And so she said, like, can, can I have your blessing? And, and then, and so then he, 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 yes, of course. And he gave, gave a blessing for, for her. And, and two days later she was pregnant. Wow. Um, so I, I, that just wow. was just like a reminder for me. It's like, you know, when I set out to do things, there's just so many blind spots. And, and, and it's, it's also the pattern of, of King David, right. Is that, is that he, when he did something that this was what, you really just see again and again and again in his life is that he first went to God before he engaged in, you know, big, you know, wars or conflicts or whatever it is. Right. He, he, he got that blessing. So, so I think that's a, a very important aspect to do. It's like, it's, we are used to just this individualist 
thing. Um, and as you said, like when you engage in the church and there, there is church politics and orthodoxy, orthodox churches are certainly not perfect. There's all kinds of trouble and stuff in there. For me, one of the biggest blessings I've had in my orthodox life is having a priest who I've severely disagreed with in very, very concrete terms and decided, okay, well, I'm just going to submit to this, even though I think it's destructive and stupid and irritating and wrong. I'm just going to say, well, that's not my, my decision to make, you know? And so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, express my disagreement to him, but I'm also going to just submit to him. Um, and, and that was an incredibly valuable thing of, of giving up uh, and, and St. Paisios, I've been reading his life as well, talks about how he was sometimes working under an elder monk who was, you know, just completely unreasonable and absolutely unjust and, you know, terrible, terrible leader and, and how he, he, he just went as far as possible and even further many times in order to submit his will to, to, this, to this guy and not, you know, to take responsibility onto himself even for things that were very, very clearly, uh, you know, the fault of, of, of his um, oversight or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's great for myself. I found that I had this tendency of kind of diving into material that was way too advanced for me uh, and where I was at this moment. Uh, I, I read one of, one of the early books, you know, probably after being Orthodox for two and a half years, I read uh, John Climacus, the letter of divine ascent. And yeah. I, I've just realized like there's so much like incredibly deep, wonderful and mysterious ideas and very, very challenged, extremely challenging ideas in there. And, and more and more, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the value in, in rather taking things at, at the right pace. So, you know, what I've done now is I've actually just signed up for studying a certificate in theological studies with a seminary. It's a seminary over in Jordanville, uh, Russian Orthodox uh, Holy Trinity monastery and, and ceremony together. And that's just fantastic. It, it gives me, it's, it's bringing things into, into my, into my life at the right tempo with, with the right level of challenge and insight. Um, I will say when, when you said something like along the lines of like, well, all of Orthodox is, is available to us now. I've just started liturgics and I promise you liturgics is not very accessible. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that's a subject where I can, I have a sense that there's some really, really, deep patterns of existence that can be shown when you study liturgics. And I think Father Alexander Schmemann uh, has some real insights that he gained through a very, very complex study of, of that field. Um, but me going into liturgics 101, like the introductory course, my word, like I, it's, it's just like way over my head. Most of the stuff It's really, really complicated. So I, I hope that I will be given some patience and wisdom and attention to be able to understand it better. But, but still, I think like in the English language and just as far as like accessible text is concerned, there's a real lack of, of something still. And, and so, yeah, there's, we have a lot to learn from as, as well. So good. Yeah. So, so Traylon, last time we spoke about, you had this project baptizing Orthodox and you, so baptizing philosophy. Yeah. Uh, yep. so Okay, can you give us a, an update uh, of, and maybe people didn't watch the first one, so what, what is it you're up to? What are your projects coming in uh, for your, ortho, your your online work these days? Um, well, uh, the baptizing philosophy uh, thing is basically a name that we've put on uh, a few of us uh, making videos, um, and there's an open invitation to anyone who is interested in doing the same thing, making the same type, type of videos or writing. Um putting a name on what we've been doing, which is reading philosophy, specifically uh, modern philosophy, 
um, from within an orthodox paradigm, seeing where they fit um, and uh, where they don't fit. And you, you can, because the way orthodoxy works so coherently, you can usually explain why and where they go wrong. Like you can say, this is exactly the point where they deviate and it leads to all of these problems. And it's really cool to see. Um, so yeah, there, it's just a, a a few of us creating videos. Um, I'm personally going to start a podcast called the Baptizing Philosophy Podcast. I've ha I have uh, a few people lined up already already to start. Um, um, I want to have uh, Jonathan Peugeot on one one time. Uh, I, I want to see if he would be uh, interested in talking about Heidegger because he talks so much about Heidegger and I've been reading through Heidegger. So um, I'm going to try and get into contact with him somehow. Um, but yeah, so there's the, the videos we're making all under the heading of baptizing philosophy. There is the podcast that I'm going to be starting. We're going to have the promotional video out for that soon. Uh, and basically all the discussion around that centers, uh, is centered in my discord. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that's basically the gist of it. Um, okay. uh, yeah, your discord, is that something that's open to the public that people can join? Oh Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's there's a link to that on on my YouTube and all of my videos and stuff. Uh, yeah, open invite to anyone. Okay, thanks. Then I'll just finish off with a little plug here because I mentioned that I was recording a podcast yesterday with two Orthodox priests, uh, and that's going to be a new podcast on Ancient Faith Radio. It's going to be called Iron Sharpens Iron. It's the first podcast, as far as we know, that's been specifically addressed only towards men. Uh, and, and so I'm doing that with Father Hans Jakobser, Father... Uh, Michael Butler, and that's really exciting. And I thought I thought this conversation was actually a beautiful taster for what we're hoping to get out there, uh, Traden. So uh, really appreciate the opportunity uh, for, of listening to a young man who, in many ways, I think is showing a path uh, and and a part of forging that path for what it seems to be a, a large amount of men in this generation uh, that are are gaining a lot of value from uh, from 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 diving into. So thanks a lot for that. Much appreciated. Wow. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was a great discussion. Thanks, Trin. You've been listening to Conversations on Masculinity with Manifesto. We enjoy good discussions, but far more importantly, we are a real community with plenty of opportunities for you to engage online and in person. So check out our website on manifesto.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed the content here, then please share this podcast with a friend. Thanks.